Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. the Lord. How is everyone today? Good? Amen. Grab your Bibles. I'm excited to share the Word with you this morning and what the, what the Lord's placed on my heart for us as a, as a family. Amen. Uh, I'm going to, I believe I'm going to do an uh, introduction today uh, for next week, really, I want to, the Lord just really had me at a place of just um, digging deep into Jesus 
into his words, his words, the words he spoke, uh, what he says about us, what he says about himself. And it led me to dig deeper into the Sermon on the Mount, um, which we just started. I preached on it last Sunday, but this past Wednesday, um, I started uh, a six-week series on the full Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And uh, again, we started that last Wednesday. And I just, I just want to say, uh, the word that the Lord gives, gives the body is for all the body. We don't want to miss any meals, right? And, but there are times when the Lord will give me something to teach on and preach on, and I can, um, like, like this morning, I'm excited to preach, but yet I feel the weight the weightiness of the word and the revelation that God wants this body to gain. And uh, I feel that so deeply and strongly about what he is going to unfold for us in another level in regards to the Sermon on the Mount. And so I know we have people that are working uh, uh, shifts on Wednesday nights, and we have people that are serving in different ministries, but... Um, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage our leaders and all of us as a family, um, uh, I, I would encourage you when you can to go on our website, if you can't be here in person on Wednesdays or if you're working or laboring, go on there, watch it, listen to the podcast, whatever, but let's as a family hear what God's speaking to us right now. It is, I just feel like it's at a pivotal, pivotal point. And uh, grab a, let's grab a hold, let's walk in it, let's hear, uh, ask the Holy Spirit before you listen, whether you're here live or online, ask Him to open your ears, open your heart to hear what He has for you, and so all this is kind of tying together, and um, so today I'm going to begin to kind of come out, uh, uh, add into that a little bit, but it's on my heart that we know who we are, and so I've been digging into the glory of the bridegroom and his bride. What does Jesus really say about his bride, and what is our identity as the church, as the children of God, as the bride of Christ? And so uh, my, my title for today is The Glory of the Bridegroom and His Bride. We're going to just kind of step into this a little bit. I'm going to actually use this passage of Scripture that I wasn't intending to use for this. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to have you, if you would, uh, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, but I'm going to, I'm going to just read some scriptures to, to get this in us and lay the foundation in Revelation chapter 19. So I want you to, to go to Ephesians 5 and hold that. And then I would like for you to go to Revelation and chapter chapter 19. We're just going to read a little bit here together. Amen. So we're going to start in Revelation chapter 19. And then I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, ask you to pray with me. Jesus, we just ask you right now to help us have ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us, Jesus, to see you as you want us to see you and help us Jesus to see ourselves the way that you see us 
to see your intentions for us. I just pray for the revelation of the identity of the bride of Christ and the glory that you have for your bride and that we would be able to truly lock eyes on you as the bridegroom in preparation, Lord, for that for that wedding banquet, for that day, for that feast in Jesus' name. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just continue to take layers, just unpeel layers and help us to see, take us deeper, open our eyes to see. We just position our hearts to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to I wanted to just read these uh, verses, and maybe I'll come back here in Revelation next week and and uh, kind of maybe ex- expound on them a little bit. Um, but I'm just going to read read them this morning. Then we're going to go to Ephesians because I just want to kind of get this in us. So Revelation 19. Uh, let's start at verse one. Revelation 19 and verse one. <clears throat> and after these things. Uh, uh, Babylon's fall. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. In verse 4, the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down, and they worshiped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And John said, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of a mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Look at verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the, are the true sayings of God. Come on. Go to chapter 21, Revelation 21. Verse 1, this is so powerful. Now I saw a new heaven. John's seeing your future. You get this, right? Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there uh, was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
Verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death or no sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sit on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. That's why God right now has us digging deeper into the Summer on the Mount. That he would stir in us a greater desire to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Knowing what he has in store for those who thirst. Verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will become his God and he, he shall be my son. Verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, abominable murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I'm going to read a few more verses. Verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and he talked with me saying, come and I will show you the bride. Come on, guys. You're about to get a glimpse of yourself. Come and I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And he goes on in greater description, and, and I'm just going to, just let's stop there. We'll read one more. Go to chapter 22 and verse 17. Amen. Jesus begins to testify to the churches and, and uh, talking about the river of life and greater description of the, of the new Jerusalem and all the things that we have in, in front of us that he's, he's, he, he has prepared and is preparing. And, and just this one verse in 22.17, and it says, and, let this, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. Amen. Amen. What a mystery. What a mystery. The end time prophetic vision given to John for us. And through his word, he gives a, this glimpse of this day, and yet we know the fullness of it is even beyond our greatest imagination. But thank you, thank you. I mean, you're thankful for the picture that he's given us. Amen. And so we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this, but I'm going to have you actually go to Ephesians in chapter 5. And uh, uh, in, 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 this, in this passage, we're just going to dig a little bit deeper than maybe what we normally have, and then, uh, and then next Sunday, 
I'm going to actually come back to this, and we're going to look at some of the specific words that's given in, in this, and some of the, the statements in, in even greater depth. But in, in, here in Ephesians, Paul gives one of the most remarkable statements in the Bible, actually, about the relationship of Jesus as the bridegroom with his bride. So let's read it together in Ephesians in chapter 5, and we're going to go in... in uh, uh, start, we're going to begin at verse, <clears throat> I was going to begin at verse 25, but let's actually just go to verse 22 and, then, and, and pick up there. So Ephesians 5 and 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. In verse 28, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes, just as the Lord does the church. Isn't that powerful? For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Let's just stop right there. Such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. This is familiar to us. Uh, and, and, and Paul's main point is to exhort husbands to love their wives and what marriage looks like between a husband and a wife. And I feel like oftentimes we've read through this passage of Scripture and, and, this, and, and in its context of, of what Paul is talking about, of walking in love and walking in light and, and, and walking in wisdom, and then the marriage and, and, and the relationship between a, a husband and a wife. Then he goes in and he talks about the children and the parents and bond servants and masters and how we honor and all these things. I feel like a lot of times, Times, um, we get focused specifically on the, the part of the parallel of the, of the husband and wife, and we really miss the greatest point in, the passage, in this passage, and that is the relationship between the bridegroom and the bride. And the revelation that, 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 that lies in here that will expand our heart and open up our eyes to see the bridegroom in, in a new way. 
in a fresh way, and then also see his heart for his bride and what he's doing to prepare his bride. And so it's just so powerful. And uh, like I said, in this context, Paul draws a, the, the, a parallel to the, to the glory of the bridegroom and his bride, which is going to be our focus for, for today. Um, so praise God for that. So now keep that open. I want you to stay there. And I know I'm going to be a little bit repetitive this morning, and, and we're going to read over these verses a few different times, but I want us to dig in a little bit, and I want us to, I want us to see, I want us to see the bridegroom, and I want us to begin to see the, the bride, his bride that he's preparing, and what he's preparing his bride for. So let's just have eyes to see that. So if we go back and we, and we look at, at verse 25, where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and, and gave himself for her in verse 25. Can I just ask you, do you think about, do you meditate on how much the bridegroom loves you? Come on. Do we, do we get so distracted with, with life and, and our failures and feeling and, and tr- battling guilt and battling shame and, and all of this stuff? Like I said, uh, you're going to hear my heart today. To, next Sunday, I'm going to open up some new things, but I really feel like in this introduction to this, this glory of the bridegroom and the bride, really what is on God's heart, He wants us to grab a hold of our identity as His bride today. It's like He wants to take you and put his hands on your face today and let you know how beautiful you are. Come on, man. He wants you to know through his eyes the depths of his heart for you as his bride. So you read this and you said, husband, love your wives. But, but then but grasp this, man. Like, do we really dig in it? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And then watch, then, then the reason, the reason he gave himself is found in verse 26. And it says that he might, he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word. Ne- next Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address those three things. What, what, what that means that he's sanctifying, what it means that he's cleansing, and what it means in the, in the washing of water by the word. But, but, but those are the two key reasons that he gives here in verse 26, because he desires to sanctify and cleanse. That's the preparing that's happening in us and through us right now in our life. Amen? Why? Why then? Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. That's a powerful statement within itself, and we'll look deeper into that next Sunday, that he, he's doing it to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He will, he will present the bride as a victorious church, triumphing over all the powers of darkness and, and, and receiving an impartation of the glory of God. That's powerful. 
I just want this to like just, just move in us today. This is our, like when you read through this, guys, this is our, this is our destiny as born-again believers. This was, this was the vision Jesus had when he went to the cross. This is his eternal, eternal plan. And, and so when I think about this, I, I read those scriptures in Revelation, man. And then, and then you get this in-depth look and grip here that Paul reveals. And, 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 and what a, when a lot of, of believers think about Jesus dying for them, they think of, they think of it like fire insurance, Right? They think of it like fire insurance, and they think mostly of getting out of hell. And, and can I just say, that's such a, that's such a small mindset. So, we do escape hell and, and eternal torment. Praise Jesus, right? But guys, that is, that is, that's, that, that's, that's not the big goal that was on his mind. That wasn't the big goal that was on his mind when he was going to the cross. He wasn't focused on just getting us out of trouble. His focus was everlasting life, man. His focus was the glory of the bride and how you would reign with him. That, and how you would be one with him. He died to establish us in a place of nearness to his heart. Into a place of power and of glory to rule the world with him in the age to come. In part now, but the great vision is in the age to come. That's our destiny. That's why we have to keep our eyes locked on. That's why we can't get distracted by all the stuff that we have going on in this little bitty temporal window that we're in right now on earth, man. So, man, it changes everything. Even, even, even what, what God's going to be ministering to us on these next six weeks on the Sermon on the Mount, man, it's easy to, it's going to be a whole lot easier to live out the Sermon on the Mount when you know your eternal destiny isn't just getting out of hell. But when you begin to step in your bridal identity in preparation, come on, man, for the bridegroom, and you begin to get glimpses in revelation of the inheritance, man, and what you're going to stand in and walk in for all of eternity, come on, Lord, help us to see. Just take another layer off. Just, I just pray for greater revelation and excitement, Lord. Come on, man. Come on. This is what he did to establish us in this way. He saved us to, to, to position us to be one with him and to receive his glory and the glory of God. Literally, literally, literally the destiny that was on his heart was was in, in what he was doing for us is to for us to to change the world in this age and then in fullness in the age to come. And and let's let's look at this again in in verse twenty seven. In verse twenty seven, um, let's read this that he might present her to himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That on that great wedding day, that great wedding day, the bridegroom and his bride will, will come together. Will come together. And, he, and, and it says he presents us to himself a glorious church, holy, without spot, wrinkle, or any blemish. And then Paul returns uh, to his subject of, of husbands loving their wife wife in, in verse 28 and 29. Let's look at this again. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord uh, does the church. So he says, love your wife as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay focused on, on what what I feel like the heart of God is for this sermon. But I I am passionate about this topic as well, and uh, and so can I just say, men, this is the purpose of God for you, men, to step in and love your wife. To love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And there's a lot of things that we think of sometimes when we stand before the Lord that will be, that will be weighed out. But I think, I, think as, I think this is one of the greatest areas in our life that, that, we'll, that, we'll be, that we'll stand before the Lord and answer for of how we loved our wife rightly. Did we love her the way that Christ loves the church? And then, then we got to dig in deeper, and we're going to, in the in the in the realm and perspective of the of the bridegroom and the bride. But then I think we've just got to begin to really dig in then and say, okay, then how does he love me? How does he love me? And then we begin to, with his help and the help of the Holy Spirit, begin to release that love into our families and into our wives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Love your wife as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then at the end of verse 29, Paul goes back to the relationship of, of, of the bridegroom and his bride. And then and he says, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does his church, his bride. So here's a picture of the bridegroom and what he does for the bride. You. You know what he's doing? He's nourishing. He's nourishing you. He's, he's cherishing you. That, that's, how, that's how Jesus deals with the church. He nourishes and he, he cherishes the church. He, he, he loves his bride. He loves his bride as he loves himself. This morning's number one goal is that we begin to see who we are in his eyes. That we begin to see the, the reality and the beauty and the power of the bridegroom. And then in that, we see in depth who we are through the eyes of the bridegroom looking at his bride. 
with his purpose, his number one goal is to, is to, is to nourish and to cherish, to cherish and prepare his bride for that wedding banquet. Amen. Like, can you see your value in it? Can you see your value in it? Like, I don't, I can't even tell you how many times I've read uh, this scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 this week over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I've always, because I've always desired so much to, to love my wife rightly that I've read it and, and, and I, I've read the beauty in it of, 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 in seeing the parallel of Christ in the church. But, but it's like I've kind of, I kind of was tunnel vision and tunnel focus and I, I was reading it. Okay, how can I, how can I love my wife this way? How can I love my wife this way? How can I step into that thing. But man, I've been, as I've been in it this week and, and I've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount so much and I'm just seeing Jesus's heart. And as I've just kind of dug into this and I've gone deeper and taken more layers out of it, guys, I just tell you, man, it's burning in the depth of my soul, the value that we have in him, the value that we are to him. And the very purpose that he came to set our captives free and to heal and to restore, man, come on. But ultimately, to equip and to prepare a bride for him and for his glory. And when you see the, begin just to see the value in that. And then Paul goes on and, and, uh, and make, makes, makes this amazing statement. This is so beautiful in verse 30. And he says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then, it, and then in verse 31 it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two uh, shall become one flesh. Look at verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now this is powerful. When you, when you read this and you hear this in context, uh, the beauty, the beauty of this. This is a great mystery between Christ and the church. And he he goes on in here and he, he talks about how, uh, how, how we are, we're members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Matter of fact, at the beginning of this text in, in chapter 23, he talks about that and he, and he talks about how he, Christ, is the head of the church. He's the head and we're part of his body. And then here it brings in this revelation that we are members. We are members of his body. Isn't that so powerful? And Paul is relating it to what happened back in Genesis chapter 2 before sin entered the world. And he quotes Adam in, in, from Genesis 2, 23 and 24. And he says, this is now bone of my flesh. Adam uh, talking uh, about Eve. And he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Therefore, a man shall be joined together with his wife and they shall become one flesh. What, what, why is that? placed right here in this passage of scripture because Paul is giving the 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 the, uh, uh, the revelation and and the mystery of this beauty right of the bridegroom and his bride and so when he goes into this section of it here and he talks about this and how 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 we are members of his body and the, and this oneness that we're being brought into what Paul is saying here is that the reality of the walk that Adam and Eve had before sin 
without shame, without, without guilt, without worldly pleasures, in, in nothing but perfect purity and love and glory. Come on, this is what he's saying here, man. It's the picture of the fullness of what the bride and the bridegroom will have in the fullness at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? This is, this is what... This is what he has for us. This is, what he's, this is what he's preparing us for. This is a great mystery, the joining together and becoming one flesh in perfect unity. And he, he brings the, the uh, reality into it for a husband and a wife being one, right? But he, w- he was talking about Jesus and the body of Christ in the spirit of glory forever and ever. Guys, this is, this is Paul describing the destiny of every believer and where we're going in God. Isn't that awesome? It just makes everything else just be okay. We're part we're part of this. We're part of this, this eternal story. We're, we're, we're in our piece of it right now. We have a, we have a part of, of history in the storyline where we're at right now on October 8th of 2023. And we live in it. And we use the giftings and, and the things that he's given us. And we intercede and we're salt and we're light and, and all these things. But man, guys, we need not get distracted and caught up with our hurt and pain and things of this world. We need to lock eyes on the bridegroom the way a bride locks eyes with that with that with with a group come on someone and not get distracted with what's around us amen man if we can just get these little glimpses of what he has for us amen come on somebody think about this this isn't just a theology lesson this is your story come on somebody this is your story i want you to say that with me this is my story some of us just need to be reminded of this sometimes. Come on, because we are still, we're like, like we're, we're not of the world, but we're in the world. We, get, we can get consumed with it. But we got to realize, we got we to put ourselves in this. We are, this is your story. This has, matter of fact, this has your name on it in the heart of God. I want you, to, I want you to, to dig into this and get this reality deep down in your soul. Listen, put your name down in this passage. In Ephesians, in chapter 5, right? 25 through 31, 32, put your name in there. Where, where, where it says church, or, or, or he makes reference to the church as, as her or she. Just put your name right there. And then read through it real slow with the revelation that the Lord's opening up today. And you'll begin to see the bridegroom. And you'll begin to see his eyes locked on you. And it changes everything. Amen? It's so good. Come on, somebody. Personalize it. See yourself. See, begin to see yourself in the story as part of the bride. We need to awaken to his purpose for his bride. We need to... We need to stop living with this small mindset that we're just escaping hell and, and we're going to go to heaven and just be there. He's got a plan for you. You're going to rule and reign with Him. Come on. Thank you, God. It just describes the reality that you've been called into.
that you're already in. You're part of it right now. You're there now. And it's going to have a full dimension in the age to come beyond anything that you can imagine. If you can get a hold of this now, you'll begin to live in the truth of that destiny. Because it's, it's not only who you're going to be, it's actually who you are now before God. You grabbing that? It's who you are now before God. I was studying this and thinking about this and then I was mowing yesterday and just got all this going through my mind. I thought, it, it's hard to know who you, who you really are now without knowing who you're going to be. It's really hard to know who you are now without really knowing who you're going to be. But when you can really see who you are as the bride of Christ and what He has for you, then it'll begin to change how you see who you are right now. The lack in this revelation and understanding, this identity of the bridegroom and the bride is why we have such a, 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 a lack or such an identity problem in the church today. That's why so many, so many people in the church are just still trying to live by this old mindset and license plate on the front of the vehicle that they're just sinners saved by grace. We are sinners saved by grace, but that's not who you are. Come on. You're the bride to the King of glory. <laughs> You're the bride to the King of glory. And He cherishes you. And He's nourishing you right now. Come on. He's preparing you for that wedding day. He's preparing you for that, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? I'm just telling you, we step into it and it just begins to shift things within us. It's seeing ourselves in light <clears throat> of our eternal destiny as His bride. And so I think about this and uh, I'm going to just break down some of the specifics uh, of, of these things uh, next week maybe, but um, what, what Paul calls us to is to renew our mind, to begin to see ourselves in the story and to get the big picture of eternity in the age of come. And then as we, as we see who we are in the big picture, then we can interpret more clearly who we are right now in this temporal time frame. Amen? And then when, when we can see the inevitability of the glory and how nothing can stop it whatsoever, you understand that what I read in Revelation 19 is not determined by anything other than what Jesus determined, it's already established. Every little detail that he showed John in that vision that he spoke to him through is coming to pass. It's already established. It's already done. It's already finished, guys. It's there. It's there. It's happening. We've just got to step into it, lock eyes on it, begin to anticipate it, man. I love our, I love our, uh, the young women in our church, and, and when they get engaged and, and, and they're preparing for that wedding day, and, and there's so much excitement, minus all the stuff you got to do and buy and rent and shop and blah, blah, blah. But there's such excitement in it, man. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the groom, you know, he doesn't care. Pick whatever colors you want. I don't care about the flower. I just want to stand up there that day. And I want to see you. I just want to see my bride. 
Come on, somebody. Oh, God, let that let that shake to the very core of us. God, let that hunger stir within us. God, let that be the driving force in what we do and how we live in anticipation. God, help us to truly begin to see, Lord, in light of what you have for us in eternity. Come on, as the bride of Christ, God, let that then let that then, God, uh, reflect back in deep revelation of who we are now in this time frame as the bride. And our purpose today, Lord, as you're preparing us to meet you. Come on. When you can see it this way, you begin to live with confidence and you begin to live with gratitude now. Even in the, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of hardship, we do our part. We, we, walk, out, we walk out the sun on the mount and we're, we're fulfilling those things and we're, 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 we're activating the beatitudes and we're loving people and we're praying for our enemies and we're going the second mile and we're doing all of these different things, man. But, it, but, it, but then, again, in that, man, we're, we're able to go through all that we've got to go through with the Spirit of gratitude because down deep in the core of who we are, man, we already know the end. We already know the end. It, it'll, 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 it'll bring light into any and every kind of pain that you'll feel on this earth when you live in light of the end destiny that Jesus has for you and your identity in that thing. Amen? Cause you to live life differently now when, when you can see in light of eternity. Amen? Come on. I'm talking about, about who you are for eternity that, that can't be stopped. That can't be stopped. When we anchor ourselves in that reality, then we can interpret who we are. Amen. So this passage is the ultimate statement of the glory that is yours and the value that you have, and uh, not just in the future, but today, right now, right now, right now, as His bride. Amen. You live in that. So I just want to I'll finish with this, I think. Um, maybe a couple more things. But when I, when I think, and I can begin to see with a heavenly perspective, and I can begin to see who I am as the bride of Christ, amen, and His love for me, and the reason why He came, and all of those different things, it begins to change things in me. And it begins to think of our ultimate destiny. So I'm just going to challenge you to think about this for just a moment. And I think I'll, I'll maybe just read a couple more things. But, uh, you know, a lot of times when we think about destiny, <clears throat> we think about it only be, be, between, um, uh, between now and when we die. Like that's our destiny. What's your destiny? Well, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to do this, and I'll probably help out here, and you know, to be a great husband, and and or to be a good wife, or be good parents, or blah blah blah. But uh, and 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 that that's good. Uh, but um, we do have a destiny here on earth, and we we need to know each of us what how God wants to use us. But I got such good news for you. You have far greater destiny. After you die. Or unless he comes before. That's really our destiny. We have a place and a part to play. Now in this time frame that we're in. And it's all just preparation and part of our ultimate destiny. In eternity. As the bride of Christ. 
Isn't that good? Help us, Lord. As a born-again believer, you're in the, the storyline of all that the bridegroom has for his bride. I'm going to talk again. I'm going I'm I'm to try to break down some of these specifics next week, but I just felt like today God just wanted to grab our heart and say, hey, I love you. You need to know how I see you. You need to know who you are. Come on. You need to know what I've done for you and why I've done it. You need to, you need to get refocused. You need to get refocused on your ultimate destiny. Come on, and what I'm preparing for you, the new heaven and the new earth and all the inheritance that I have for you. Amen? It's like, okay, I'll tell you, this will change your worship. This will, this will change your time in the Word. This will change how you pray. This will change how you love people. Come on. This will change how you go through hardships. This will change how you, what, how you go through things when, you, when you're treated unfairly. This changes this, this view, this eternal view in His plan and the, and the reality of, of, of His destiny for you as the bridegroom. It truly changes everything. Get in this storyline. Amen? Again, Paul's preaching here in this context of, about husbands loving their wives. And, and Paul gives this human analogy that it kind of it helps us understand the spiritual truth between Jesus and us. But then that, that truth about Jesus and us helps us understand the reality of marriage between husband and wives. Like it, it, go, it goes both directions. Amen. And ultimately, we, what we see in this today, and I want to read another passage of Scripture, but the glory, the glory Jesus had in mind for you when He saved you. And the ultimate destiny that He has for us. This is what I'm aiming for. This is what my eyes are locked in on. And we get so distracted. I, I think this life is good. Isn't this life good? I'm so glad we get to enjoy things in this life. But guys, I'm going to tell you what. This generation right here, they need to grasp this now. They need not wait till, till they're our age. Because I love Selah Hope. I think she, she's beautiful. She's awesome. She can do so many things. But, but her, 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 her destiny, her destiny ultimately isn't, isn't what what college she might go to if she would play collegiate volleyball. It's not what career path she's going to have. It's not who she's going to marry because she's staying single her whole life. It's none of that stuff, man. I'm going to tell you, she needs people around her that can continue to keep her eyes locked on the bridegroom because her destiny like like this is just like a this is like a blink right now that we're in for the rest of her life and it's big life is big there's great things we get to enjoy so many things i love it i love my wife i love my family i love this church i love this community but god man we get so lost sometimes in the process of it because in the end everything is eternal everything guys ezra everything's internal man everything it's eternal it's what he has for you and it is so beyond anything that you can ever imagine. so 
Ezra, run your life. Run it, run, run hard after the king, man. Hear, hear what he has for you. Let him bring people into your life. Be obedient to the will of God. If he has you, if he asks you to do this, do that. If he tells you to do this, do that. But do everything as it's temporal, ultimately, because in the end, the end destiny is for Ezra to be in glory with the king. Come on, man. You're going to reign with him, Ezra. It's so far greater than anything you could ever accomplish in experience in this life. You know, when you when when we live with this view, guys, it'll 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 help you stay in obedience. When you understand that what it said there in Ephesians 5, when it says, I this is the reason why I came, come on, and, and how he is nourishing us and to, to purify us. And it says, man, you'll lock eyes with him in a new way when you really dig into the revelation of your bridal identity. Amen? Help us, God. Help us, Lord. Help our young people to lock eyes with you. Let's go back and read another little section of Scripture in Revelation in chapter uh, 20. Um, let's actually just go to chapter 19, kind of where we started here. And, uh, this call to worship and talked about this, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb in verse 8 and verse, and verse 9. Look at verse 11. Look at the beauty of the bridegroom. Let's, I want to finish with locking eyes with the beauty of the bridegroom. Revelation 19 and 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, there is a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. Look at verse 12. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed. Look at this, verse 14. And the armies in heaven clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule. He himself will rule with them with a, with a rod of iron, and he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's your king. That's the bridegroom. The whole plan's already been established. This prophecy that was given to John, part of these things have begun to come into place already throughout scriptures, but I'm telling you, this is your destiny. This is your identity and your purpose that's being revealed as the bridegroom. And man, if you just, I think ultimately the value and the purpose that is in that in Jesus' name. Help us to step into it, God. Oh man, it's so good. This is your storyline. This is your storyline. Let the Spirit and the Bride say come. Let the Spirit and the Bride say come. I think I'll have Craig and the team come back up and maybe we'll sing this song once again, finish with this. But I'm going to 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just close with a, a thought here, but in, in Matthew, Jesus talks about this. He says, well, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he, he gives this parable and he likens it to the ten virgins. Right? Five were foolish and five were wise. And they were to participate and be anticipating and preparing for the bridegroom to come. And it, it says that it says that the five wise virgins stayed ready. They, they made proper preparations because they were locked. Their eyes were locked on their eternal destiny. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 